Welcome to Take Care. This is the podcast that helps you understand the background and habits of change makers. Host Rish Sharma and his guests give you the wisdom to help you learn a little more and get a bit better every episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Take Care. Today's guest is Dr. Robert Puff, internationally recognized clinical psychologist, best-selling author of 13 books, host of the Happiness Podcast. He also has a private practice in Orange County where he works with some of the most successful people, families, and companies to help them thrive in their lives and organizations. He has also been featured on the Discovery Channel, MSNBC, Fox Business, and many more publications. Welcome, Dr. Puff. How are you? Great. It's great to be here, Rishi. Thank you. We're excited to have you here. So I'd like to start the conversation to give the audience a little bit of your background and what drove you to have such an involvement and interest in happiness and psychology. Yeah, it really began. I thought about that earlier. It really began when I was a child. I mean, my parents used to say, I just asked one question after another, after another. And so I was always inquisitive, just, you know, you know, why are we here? I mean, probably not that deep a question but when I was younger, but I was always very inquisitive. And the other thing is, I felt I had the ability to be what I would call honest. So if someone said their lives are going great, I could observe and say, well, you're saying that, but you don't seem like life is going very well to me. Yeah. So I kind of went and started studying. I, I liked school a lot and I liked travel. So between those two, I just really began to explore what makes life work. You know, so I studied psychology. Obviously, I studied mm-hmm. world religions. I studied um, philosophy. I studied positive psychology. And I found things that worked and I found things that didn't work. And that mostly worked in my life. And then when I found, hey, these things are really working in my life and the people I work with, I began to share them with a larger audience of people that either read or listen to what I do. Okay. Thank you for going there. So I want to go detail that a little bit more. What are some of those things that you found that work? Just a few examples that you recommend to yourself and to the audience. Well, I think since the audience is one of, you know, wanting to be successful and doing well in life, and as you said, I do work with a, really the most successful people imaginable, is that, you know, I often say there's a truth magazine out there it's called People Magazine, mm-hmm. and it's replete with examples of people that are the most successful on the planet. They're both often financially wealthy and usually professionally, you know, well-known. They're very successful people. You'll find that, you know, they struggle with life, and life doesn't always go that well for them. They're in and out of rehabs, they're committing suicide. They're doing a lot of things that cause them distress. So I found that what kind of the popular culture teaches that success should make us happy. And it definitely doesn't make us unhappy, but it isn't the solution. So what I try to do is help people realize that, because I work, as I said, with very successful people, is finding balance where you learn that, okay, this is part of my life, but if I make that my main focus, it's going to have consequences. Whenever we too much focus on one thing, it typically has consequences on other areas of our life. So like if we exercise a lot, but we're never working, then we don't have any money. If we're working a lot, we don't exercise, we begin to have a health problem. So what I found was that there are things that we can do that make our lives go better, and they're not complicated. It's just we have to do them on a regular basis. And I think what happens is, as human beings, we can be very, what I call myopic. You're very focused, particularly when we're driven towards goals. Yeah. We're very focused towards, I want this one thing. And we're taught that if you really study the best books out there on success. They'll say you have to be incredibly focused. And it is true, but I have found that if you balance that with self-care, spending time with family and everything else, you can still reach your goals. It may take you a little bit longer, but you'll get there 
and you'll get there what I would call intact and happy. Okay. Thank you for going into that a bit more. So you mentioned on your website, if anybody goes there and checks out, that you're taking a holistic approach. So what do you mean by that? And how do you integrate that into helping your clients? Yeah, when they come in, you know, obviously you think of a typical psychologist or a health professional. I'm a coach too, and I work with companies. That again, it's a very focused, you know, this is what I'm going to focus on. And my training has been much broader than that. I study nutrition, I study exercise, I study philosophy, I study religion, along with heart sciences and, of course, psychology and medicine. And so all that combined is important. Again, like I said, if, for example, I mean, just a simple example, you know, in the olden days when we used to go around the world in the ships, people got what was called scurvy. And, you know, scurvy, they couldn't figure out why are people getting sick? And it ended up being a very simple solution. They just weren't getting vitamin C because there weren't any fruits and vegetables on the ships. So once they figured that out and gave them the fruits and vegetables, they didn't have a scurvy problem anymore. So life is often like that. We neglect a few things, and initially it's not a big deal. But if we don't take care of these things in the long run, they really can have fairly significant consequences. Another example I'd like to share was many, many years ago, probably 25 years ago, I worked with a young lady, and she was in high school. And she was a long distance runner. She was in great shape and she could run miles, you know, without stopping. But she smoked at the same time too. I thought, well, that's unusual. But because she was so young, because she was so healthy, she was able to do that. Well, about, I think it was about five years later, I saw her mother one day, you know, when I was out and about. And I asked her how her daughter was doing. She said, she's, she's fine. She's a mother now and living her life. I said, does she still run? And she said, no, she's not able to run at all anymore because of her smoking. So what happens with life is if we don't, look at the whole picture, then there's going to be consequences of that. And when we take a holistic approach, the biggest thing that we can do is we can keep going. So I feel life is a journey. It's a journey that we're supposed to enjoy every day and one that we want to get to and stay at as long as possible. But I think for so often what people are doing is saying, they're going to say, I'm going to sacrifice this so that I can reach that goal. And often we can do that, but often it comes with such a high price tag from health problems to relationship problems to sometimes the goals we're working towards don't turn out. And so if we find balance all along the way, the great thing is we're able to much more flow with the changes of life. Because in any form of business endeavor, there are so many changes. And particularly now with the technology that's coming, very few businesses 10 years, 20 years from now are going to look the same. Mm -hmm. So if we have a much more kind of inclusive, more flexible approach towards our success, then when the changes come, we embrace a change. But when we're inflexible, we say, well, no, we're just going to do it this way. It becomes much more challenging when the storms of life come. And again, I like to use examples. Think of like a hurricane. When a hurricane comes, and let's say there's a strong willow tree that's you know, very strong, you know, super powerful winds, can knock over that willow tree and it will be dead. But yet grasses, they're very weak, very flimsy, will bend when the hurricane comes. And when it's gone, they bounce right back up. So a lot of life is being able to really, as we take good care of ourselves and we look at ourselves from both physical, from spiritual, to mental, to relational, to professional, to financial, when we look at all that together, that creates what I call a beautiful life. Whenever we neglect one thing, it usually has a price tag or it can have a significant consequences. So I think when we look at the whole picture, what we'll find is our ability to keep doing what we're doing and doing it with love and compassion are much more easy or able to maintain that on a much more consistent basis than if we just, again, be myopic and focus 
on just one or two things. That often has severe consequences. And that's why I think, again, using People Magazine as an example, these very successful people, because they have so much focus on their careers at the expense of so many other things, they end up either committing suicide or going to drug rehabs, becoming addicted to something because of the neglect they're, they're doing to parts of their body and their soul. But when we are more holistic, we have such a better ability to keep going to the very end of our journey, whether that's 80 years or with modern technology, that might be 200 years. But we can do that with such better health and joy and pleasure when we're taking care of our whole soul, not just aspects of it. And I find that creates what I call a beautiful life. Thank you. Thank you for going into that. So I'd like to expand on that a bit more. You know, the concept of a beautiful life for most people is to have a degree or have achieve happiness or be happy in their life. What does happiness mean to you in the context of a beautiful life to you? Yeah, it's basically living well now and stringing a whole lot of living wells nows together into a whole life. So I think the danger of always saying, well, if I reach this goal, like if I get my doctorate, if I reach this goal, I have become CEO of a company. If I reach this goal, that I build a company and I create it into this vast empire. All those goals, there's always threats along the way. Things can happen that we may not make it. Or if we make it, it may not reach the fulfillment that we thought it would. And so the beautiful thing about living well each day is that then if you know three years into it, you decide, you know, this didn't work out well or something happened along the way and something changes the path we're on, like we're in medical school and we can't pass um, organic chemistry. And instead of going into this deep, dark despair, we say, you know, it's okay. I really enjoy the last three years of all the things I've learned. I don't seem to be able to do organic chemistry. I can either get a tutor or I can perhaps choose a different profession. So again, what it allows is that flexibility with enjoyment all on the way. And so instead of saying someday I'll, it's living well as best as we can today, trying to find pleasure in whatever we're doing, and then that can create a beautiful life. And I think the thing about that is you really do study people that, one, are good at what they do, and they're good at it and they're successful at it. They typically have quite a bit of pleasure and interest in what they're doing. If we're doing it just for the sake of you know money or for the sake of what people think of us, I think it's much harder to maintain that. So. The great thing about this is it's really reinforcing what we're already doing. But instead of saying, when I reach this goal, I'm going to be happy. It's like, I'm going to work towards this goal and I'm going to be happy getting there. And so that helps us decide, well, okay, maybe I don't like school. Maybe I want to just open up a business or maybe I don't like doing accounting and part of running the business is having accounts. I'll hire someone or I'll go in partnership with someone that's doing accounting. It helps us to make such better decisions when we realize don't wait till someday I'll enjoy my life. Enjoy our lives today all on the way. I know there's ups and downs, but we are so resilient if we say, okay, there's always something I can define pleasure in life. And if it isn't pleasurable, how do I make it a little bit better? You know, for example, perhaps I'll take my full lunch. Perhaps I will go home early and go on a date with my wife once a week. Perhaps I'll make sure in the morning I go to the gym before I come to work because that really helps reduce the stress. When we're looking at it from a Again, that holistic perspective, today is the day I only have. I'm not sure I'm going to have tomorrow. And with that approach, what happens is we learn to live really well now instead of saying someday I'll live well. I think it's just incredibly dangerous when people say someday I'll. I want to share an example that really typifies that. Mm -hmm. 
I work in Newport Beach, as you know, as you said, with incredibly successful people. And I've been there for a very long time. And so I don't know everyone in Newport, but I know people that know pretty much everyone in Newport, kind of almost. Yeah. And I would say 95% of people that do this path, this is what happens to them. The path is this. They're going to work really hard, say 100 hours a week for, say, 5 to, say, 20 years and amass this fortune. Because in Newport, often it's the fiduciary goals that, are, that they're pursuing. And then let's say they get there. And now they never have to work again. They've sold the company or they've reached their, their goals of financial freedom. Typically, I would say about 95% of them within two years are really struggling with addiction like alcohol or drug addiction within two years because life just didn't work the way they thought it would. And so I think that's the danger of putting off someday out. I think the ones that tend to do it successfully are the ones that say, you know, whether I'm successful or not, I'm going to do this because I really love it. I've been doing what I've been doing for 35 years. And my hope is I'm going to do it another 35 years because I really work towards enjoying it and enjoying life outside of it. And I think if we find that balance and say, today is all I have, I have no guarantees I'm going to have tomorrow. What that does, it really focuses our attention on, then if this is the only day I have, how will I live it well? And if we string, like I started out the conversation with, if we string a whole lot of those, I'm going to live today well with our goals, there's just really no way we can lose because we've enjoyed the journey. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay because we had a nice time getting to wherever where we got, even if it meant we didn't get to where we hoped we were going to get. Thank you for breaking that down and providing those examples. So I would like to just kind of get a bit more tactical. So it's the beginning of a brand new decade, 2020. If somebody's really wanting to take some tactical steps to improve their state of mind or this new approach towards happiness, what are some tactical steps that you would recommend them to start to implement this new way of thinking? Yeah. So again, since I keep emphasizing, try to enjoy what we do, that would be the first thing. Kind of set aside a little bit of time and saying, okay, this is what I'm doing right now, but is it really my passion? Maybe I'm building a company on how to, I'm not that some people would love this, but let's say I'm building a company on how to make widgets, for example. And I know people that do that and actually are very passionate about that. But if that isn't your passion, and you're doing it for, but it can make a lot of money, I would encourage you to just say, well, if I can start a company, I can start any company. Maybe I should do something that would be more of interest to me. And if I'm choosing a profession, like I'm becoming an accountant because I feel it's a good, secure job, but I actually don't like the work that I do, again, it's that reflection. So I think a lot of times it's very important to pause and to reflect. I think when people, people that often do the best in life, spend a lot of time just pausing and reflecting. I do it actually quarterly. Every quarter, at least, I go away for the weekend by myself. Mm-hmm. I don't talk to anyone. I don't really bring anything or any engagements. I just allow myself to be still. Often there's a place of nature to be quiet and check in. Like, how is my life going? How are things going? Are there changes I could make? And I usually come back with things that I keep adjusting to the changes of life. And so because life, one of the rules of life is what's called impermanence. Life does change. I think when we're able to reflect along the way and then really think about, is this what I want to do? And if it's not, it's okay to begin to make changes. Radical changes usually are a bit overwhelming, but like saying, again, we're at a job and we're in, let's say, the sales department. We don't like sales that much. We'd rather be in marketing. So we say, okay, maybe I'll start taking some courses on marketing online. There's really good options I can learn. I'll start reading some books. I'll start listening to podcasts on marketing. And then I'll, you know, I'll begin to talk to people in other departments, see if I could 
hey, I've learned these skills, I have some experience, would you be willing to let me move into that apartment or at least give it a try? And I think with that in mind, mm-hmm. it really makes it that we're doing what we want, we're moving in the direction we want, yeah. and we're, we're finding joy all along the way, saying, I'm gonna work really hard right now, and then someday I'm gonna enjoy myself. For example, after I finished high school, I went 14 straight years to school, and most of it was full-time, including summers. Mm-hmm. And you think, that's an ungodly amount of school. Yeah. But the difference is, I actually really enjoyed school. It was, it was never a time I said, this is horrible, this is terrible. I really enjoyed it. So someone else would say, that's not for me. And of course, that wouldn't be for them. But for me, it worked because I actually really enjoyed learning. And to this day, I'm always learning or reading or studying something that has nothing to do with my profession. So I think, I think it's important to steep ourselves and involve ourselves in things that we have a passion about. And then when, the great thing about that is when we have a passion about something, we're far more likely to stay with it. And I think one of the key ingredients of success is sticking to things. And I can verify that very simply by the highest paid profession. The highest paid profession in the United States at last reckoning was has been surgeons. Surgeons overall make the most. There are people that make more than surgeons, but as a profession, they do the best. And if you know anything about the training of a surgeon, they have to go to four years of university, then they have to go to four years of medical school, mm-hmm. and then they have a minimum of five to up to nine years of residency. And when they're done, they are very well trained and they get a very good pay for what they do. And what happens with it is in order to be a surgeon and stick to it, you either have to have incredible drive and or a real interest in human physiology and helping people. And so I think that passion, when we have passion, we will stick to things. And when we stick to things, we get good at them. And when we get good at them, we often get paid well for what we do. Thank you for going into that and giving some practical advice. So I'd like to kind of talk about happiness and kind of some modern digital issues that I think a lot of people face. You know, people are always bombarded by all this content of comparisons, whether it be on TV, social media, news, you know, pumping things in their face. What would be some helpful advice for dealing with that fear of missing out, that FOMO that a lot of people feel? Well, I think you've already said it, you know, Rishi, you said it very well. When we compare and contrast, that's always a path of suffering, you know, because there's always someone better than us. It really sunk home to me one day, (laughs) many years ago when I was working with someone and they were living in a $7 million home overlooking the ocean that most of us would be like, we'd die for me probably now worth 15 million or so long ago. And the one thing that they really were struggling with is their neighbor had a house twice as nice and they were jealous of their home. So what happens with it is whenever we compare and contrast, that's just a path of suffering. So if you're getting on social media, comparing yourself to others, unless you're doing it to build yourself up, which most of us aren't, it's probably something to avoid. I think social media is a great way to communicate. I think it's a wonderful way to stay connected with the people that you love. I think it's a wonderful way to be inspired. But listen to your heart. If when you get on social media and if it's making you discouraged, if it's making you question your abilities, if it's making you um, feel unhappy, then it's time to pull away and say, okay, this is me eating desserts all day. It's not good for my soul. I'm steeping myself in negativity. And whenever we steep ourselves in something that in our mind is negative, it's going to make us feel not very well. But the reverse is true. When we steep ourselves in things that build us up and make us feel good and to surround ourselves with positive, supportive people, we'll find that's a far better journey. So I think media, social media is much like 
television used to be. Television, for the most part, maybe 10, 50% of it is really good. 85% of it may not be that good. So, of course, it can be a wonderful tool. But if it is something that you're spending hours watching YouTube videos that are kind of like tearing you down and making you feel not good afterwards, then you say, it might be time to me to instead go for a walk outside. I think getting, being in nature is wonderful. Exercise mm -hmm. is wonderful. One of the things I love is meditation. You know, being, learning to meditate, hanging out with people that are positive, and mm -hmm. making sure that the social media part of our lives, which will be there, but it's a, it's a positive experience instead of a negative. And if it is something negative, then it is something you have to decide that, is this good for me? Because so many things in life, it's like my example of cigarettes before, when we smoke cigarettes when we're younger, there will be no effects initially. We can smoke and not feel anything. It's over the course of 10, 20, 30 years that the body really is affected by the cigarettes. It's the same way with anything. You know, getting involved in watching, you know, like crashes on YouTube about, you know, car wrecks in Russia. Is it a big deal? No. But if we're doing it every day, day after day, or we're yeah. spending you know, five hours a day watching the news that repeats itself over and over again, initially, is it going to affect us? No. But in the long run, these things will. But the reverse is true. If we steep ourselves, I like that word steep, because it's something, if we involve ourselves in something that builds us up, because there are wonderful podcasts, there are wonderful shows, there are, there's wonderful things on social media that can make our lives better. And those are the things we need to initially try to work towards. What's harder, though, is this. Think of like chocolate in a salad. Chocolate is wonderful. <laughs> and salad, you like, eh, I don't know if I want salads. But if we really limit our chocolate, say maybe once or twice a week, and we have salads every day, what happens is we get used to salads. We end up liking salads. I think, yeah, salads are good. And it's like that with social media. Initially, you know, we're watching something that's much more, you may consider mundane, because it's like it's not there. Action crashes in Russia. But with time, we really adjust to things. We're very adaptive, but we adapt to what we expose ourselves to. So if we expose ourselves to things that are kind of traumatic or intense, that's like an addiction. We will be addicted to them. But if we change that and begin to adapt ourselves to things that are positive, like human nature, positive things, we also get used to that. So as much as someone else may be very addicted to something that's you know negative on social media, if I were to watch something like that on social media, it would actually make me feel sick. So as they would kind of be incredibly bored by what I watch, I would feel sick by what they watch. We just are very good with time at adapting. It won't happen overnight, but with time, if we're self-aware, it's a lot of listening. Remember I talked about earlier, taking time to slow down and pausing and really reflecting, how am I doing inside? Because so often we don't do that, but when we do that, then we can say, oh, this isn't very good for me. You know, I'm going out with my buddies every night, every weekend and getting totally drunk. I don't know if that's good for me. I need to reflect on that. Maybe instead, I need to go to the gym, go to yoga classes instead. It's that reflection that allows us to check in. And when we check in, the answers are usually there. We don't find the answers when we don't look. But if we look, what I have learned, we have the answers within us. Thank you. Thank you for going into that. So I'd like to switch over away from personal type conversation about happiness and kind of move more to workplace success and growing in your career. So you've worked with, like you mentioned, some of the most successful people. Is there any common traits that you see among the people that lead these successful lives? Yeah, it's what I really alluded to before. It really has two things. Um, it does take time to be successful. That's one. And number two, it, you probably have heard of this, the 10,000 hour rule. 
Mm-hmm. I know it's some people feel it's a myth, but um, I did a podcast on it once. So, it, but it basically, what it's saying is, if we spend ten thousand hours on something, we will be very good at that, whatever that is. We spend ten thousand hours playing the piano. If we spend ten thousand hours studying nuclear physics, if we spend ten thousand hours, you know, learning about the politics in Russia, we become very good at something in about ten thousand hours. That's about five years of intense of research, of um, full time research. So. I think given that, what I have found that people that tend to be successful, they do really stick to one thing and they stay with it. So people that tend to be less successful more tend to jump around. And that's why I I have found that self-reflection, maybe even spending a month, three months, a year saying, what do I want to do with my life? Because if we can solidify and really tap into what would work for us, is we can stick to what we do forever, like in, even in my own profession. I've been doing it for 35 years and you would rarely find someone that does what I do for that long. It's a quite high burnout profession. And how I've done that is through balance. One, I I really enjoy what I do, but it's also a sense of I balance it. From the get-go, I've always taken three days off every week. I also take six to seven weeks off a year. And so the combination of having time off, not working too long a days, and taking care of myself allows me to stay with what I'm doing. So I hope to do another 35 years which allows me to, you know, I've been quite successful in my career. And people always say, how have you done so much? Because, you know, I know you mentioned a few things I've done, but you go to my website, you say, oh, he's done a lot, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but Because in 35 years, you can do a lot. And so mm-hmm. I think if you can take that time, if you're beginning your career right now, that really take the time and say, what interests me? What could keep me captivated for a while? Then say, okay, then how do I make a living at that? I love to share this story. It's a fun story. I grew up in the Midwest in Iowa, and a friend of mine, he, he really loved golf, but he definitely wasn't pro-golf material, but he just loved golf. It was just very much his passion. So when he went to college, he decided to go to ASU, and when he got there, he studied business, but he really wanted to stay in the golf community. So he got a job as a caddy at a golf course, and he worked his way up, and after he graduated, kept working his way up, he became the general manager of a PGA golf course, and has been doing that his entire life. So... I do think there's always ways of finding things that we can do and making a living at it. I mean, we don't have, the one thing I've learned is that, and the studies have really shown this, we don't need a lot of money to be happy. That's a misnomer. We need some money to obviously pay our bills and provide for our family. But if you travel, you'll learn that what we provide here in the U.S. is far more than necessarily need. So I think when you, we kind of relinquish that sense, I've got to be number one, I have to make, you know, cadoodles of money then it, it relaxes us and say, no, what I need to do is enjoy what I do, stick with it and get good at it. But it's much easier to stick with something if you know that it fits who you are, it fits your personality, and it's something that you can stick with. And here, I, I'm going to share my own example again. What I had thought about doing, I really deliberated between two things. One was being a university professor. I really loved astrophysics. So um, I twice actually uh, was going to apply and was going to get my PhD in astrophysics. And I actually got two masters. That's why I went to school for so long. But after studying academics for three years, getting my first master's, I realized that though I liked it, I really like working with people more. And I wanted the freedom of working for myself. So that's why I went into clinical psychology. So I could be a consultant, a coach, and work in private practice. But if I hadn't taken that time to really reflect on what I would have wanted to do, I may have got into something that might have not been as good for me. It worked out as well. Because I took the time to really think about, okay, is this what I want to do? It allowed me to choose a profession that has worked really well for me and fits my personality better. 
Thank you for breaking that down and providing those personal examples. So let's just take another, let's say there's a person out there, you know, wants to make some changes in their lives, likes what they do, but is in a toxic work environment. What would your advice be to that person as they're kind of deliberating that issue? Yeah, that's a very good question. Life is always going to present us challenges. So the good news is with a person like that is they already like what they do. So they're already on target. But there are times when we have situations where it's not the best place for us or, you know, perhaps creating a dialogue, we can make changes. So our goal is to say, okay, I'm liking what I'm doing, but this environment isn't the best. I'm not enjoying it as much. So are there ways to make subtle changes to make it better? Like we might try addressing the people that we're struggling with in a better way and see if we can create a slight difference. We might get HR involved in a positive way. Hey there, I know this is going on, but I wonder if we could try this. We might bring things to the office that change their environment, but sometimes none of those things work. And so what we do is we say, oh, well, I still really like what I do, but there's other companies out there that do the same thing. It may be time for me to switch. And that's what often what I'll help people do when they really have tried everything. I think you should try everything first. I look at, are you not what they're doing? Are you doing your best to make the environment as positive and as healthy for you as possible? And if you're doing your part and it still isn't working, then it's time to think, it's okay, I may need to change. And that's okay. But I do think the first thing we need to do is, am I doing everything on my part to make this place and this work as pleasant as possible? And if we are, often what we'll find is by when we change, everything around us changes. There's an old saying, I believe it comes from the East, that says, if I pull a blade of grass, the whole universe shakes. And it's a bit like that when we change, whether it's in relationships or in our workplace, their workplace begins to change, sometimes just by going to work and seeing it with a different attitude and not maybe being as hurt when the person, maybe our boss is a little or negative, or maybe the talk around the coffee pot is a little bit negative. So we hang out there as often. Or if Joe, they're going out afterwards and drinking and it ends up being kind of a gossip session, we'll just tell them, oh, you know, I'm taking this online course. I have to go home and study. So it's not judging them. I think judging is unhealthy. It's not judging ourselves. It's just saying, are there ways to make this better for myself? And really, you know, focus on my work and keep doing what I do. And then if it continues with all the different things that we try, if it were to continue, then to be, you know, unpleasant, then at that point, I might consider perhaps looking elsewhere for work. Thank you for providing that advice. So I want to go to the other side of the conversation. Let's say they don't like what they do and they want to change professions altogether. What would be some tangible advice that you would recommend them to find a profession that they would be interested in for the long haul? And I think that's always a hard challenge for a lot of people. They realize after years, they don't like to do this. They want to do something different. Mm -hmm. How do they find their way to that something different that's going to last a long time? Yeah. And that gets back to kind of what I was talking to earlier, that sense of reflection. Part of it's reflecting, getting to know the number one person that you want to get to know is yourself. So what are my likes? What are my interests? And then you need to do research. I work with so many people on this. Okay. Well, if you're thinking about going into this profession, what does it entail? What will you make? How much schooling do you need for that? Do you, will you like the schooling? Do you like school? So it's questioning. And so I think because I talk about the holistic part where work is part of our life, but our relationships create joy in our lives, our social environments create joy, what we read, what we engage with. There's so many different aspects that make who we are. Work is, it's a big part of who we are, but it's not all of who we are. 
that we can then navigate life's course so much better because we're more in touch with what we're doing. We're not needing our work to be perfect. We're just needing our work to say, yeah, this is something I could kind of sink my teeth into and I would find interesting. And But I do think before we make that jump, what a lot of people do is like, I mean, so often like people will like choose my profession. I think a lot of people think it'd be great to be a psychologist and help people improve their lives. But they don't realize that all that it entails, all you know, what's involved and what does it look like and what's the market look like. And if they did that research, they may think, you know, maybe that isn't something I want to do. So I, I think being, you know, resourceful, doing the research and just kind of pausing and saying, okay, I've done, I've gathered the information. These are the pros and cons. And then I think, you know, we're coaching. I think our coaching from a friend or, you know, someone like, you know, me or you, or where we can help. What I do is I help people navigate or sift through, well, what are the pros and cons of this profession for you? What are the pros and cons of this profession for you? And what would better suit because now you want to be a father, you want to be a mom someday. It's as you look at the big picture, we make better decisions. I think when we make just, I need a job, that can end up not being the best decision. But if we really reflect on and look at the greater picture of where we want to go and what are our likes, and not so much what will people think about what I do, or how much money will I make? I think we, we will make money no matter what we do for the most part. But if we think about more, what would I enjoy doing? What would I find pleasure in? And not what would other people think of me? Because that will never lead to satisfaction. If that led to satisfaction, you know, Prince and Robin Williams wouldn't be dead right now because they were incredibly loved by people. And, you know, their success didn't keep them alive. So success and having people love you, because both everyone, but I know of love Prince and Robin Williams, they're both great people, but sadly for me, they passed. So I think we have to be careful about needing or other people's approval. It's more enjoying what we do, but I think where people get caught, they just don't spend the time reflecting on, well, what do I want to do? So it's really good. You kind of, you can see, I keep going back to that. It's really good just to pause, to check in and see where the heart is right now. And then with that information, begin with a lot of information to make better decisions. All right. Thank you for that, that advice. I'd just like to move to the final questions. So Take Care is a podcast where we share a lot of the routines, habits, rituals of change makers like yourself. I love it if you could break down either your morning routine or any other routines or rituals that you have in your day-to-day life. Yeah, it's a little unique, but I tend to wake up early. I think you'll find that a lot of people that have done not all, but a lot of people that are successful often are morning people. But I get up quite early and I usually um, meditate for, uh, believe it or not, I meditate an hour and a half. And then I usually go to the gym and then I come home and I make myself a huge drink through the day, a, a large container of green smoothie where it's an organic like kale and with fruits in it to make it palatable. And then I go to yoga and then I head off to work. So before I started, I usually meditate for an hour and a half, go to the gym, drink something really healthy and then do yoga and then head into my work. And I find that keeps me in a very good place throughout the day. So even though I'm hearing people that struggle, it allows me, I call it coming in with a full cup, that I come in and if I'm helping either a business or a person, that I have something to give. If I'm depleted, I won't have anything to give. And that's kind of been one of my secrets of being able to help people for so long as I make sure the first thing I do is that I'm doing okay. And then by me doing okay, I can help them do well too. Thank you. Thank you for going into that. I think that, that's a good transition to that is the next question. Mm-hmm. What does personal care mean to you? I think it means living at the core to me. It means each day making that day work well. 
And that means, you know, with realizing that the choices that I make today will have repercussions or karma, whatever language you want to use for the future. So if I were to come home and have a glass of wine or two every night, it's not a big deal, but that can accumulate over years into not doing well. But if I come home and, you know, go to yoga, or if I come home and um, sit and meditate, what happens is that culminates into a um, better life. And um, I apologize, I'm not in any way trying to brag about this. I, I do find it unusual. I've been in my work for 35 years and, you know, I, I really do try to take very good care of myself for health reasons. Mm -hmm. Eat well, you know, exercise, things that I do, I you know, take vitamins, things like that. But in 35 years, I've only missed one day of work. I got food poisoning once. That's mm -hmm. a pretty unique example. Again, I don't mean yeah. to break over that, but it does seem like when we do self-care, there are a lot of benefits. I mean, could you imagine the savings of companies if no one ever got sick? <laughs> yeah. And so there are really benefits to self-care. You, you know, like as much as eating hamburgers and french fries, what that will look like in 30 years. Also, you know, eating fresh organic fruits and vegetables, that looks like something else 30 years later too. And mm -hmm. it keeps us healthy, it keeps us fit, it keeps us, you know, the average 65-year-old takes 10 pres different prescription medications. And, you know, I've never been on a prescription medication in my entire life. So um, when we do self-care, and I, I remember running in the LA Marathon one year, and the mm -hmm. guy was running with me, he was 90 years old, I backpacked in the high Sierras for, you know, weeks on end at times. And I backpack with people that are in their eighties or, you know, close to 90. So when I ask these people, how did you do that? How do you end up being so well? I always get the same answer. They've just done it throughout their life. So self-care is about every day. It's not about someday all. So, you know, when we take care of our, you know, our internals, if we take care of our mind, then I teach to keep our minds clear and healthy, positive, and we take care of our hearts through relationships and people that are supportive in our life. All that together makes us, not that we guarantee, of course, it's not, I'm not saying that people get sick, there's something wrong with them, but I am saying that I think the propensity of being healthy and fighting off disease is much better when we're taking good care of ourselves. Thank you for breaking that down and uh, emphasizing the importance of taking care of oneself. So just the final two questions. If you could have a dinner party, who are three people that you would love to have at that dinner party, dead or alive, and why would you want them there? Okay, now the listeners may not know one of the three people I mentioned, but I want to kind of help them understand why I chose them from my perspective. Mm -hmm. My journey in life has been to find people that lives work really well, and their lives are going well, and they have like, I think we can live astonishingly beautiful lives. So these, and I like, I think it entails many things. And these three people, two of them, I don't know their personal lives, but their philosophies were just beautiful. And the third mm -hmm. one, I don't know them personally, but people that knew this third person said this is probably in the last hundred years, lived the most successfully as far as overall in anyone that's lived the last hundred years. So the first mm -hmm. one would be, he's a Buddhist philosopher. He's called Nagarjuna. Okay. Uh, if you study Buddhism, he would be the number one philosopher within Buddhism. I think okay. his insights were brilliant and well worth learning. The second one is a Christian mystic. He's my favorite. His name is Meister Eckhart. A lot of people know of Eckhart Tolle. He actually took his name from this person, the Master Eckhart. He's a 12th century Christian mystic. We just had some really beautiful insights about the meaning of life. And then the person I'm referring to that I think lived well and the best the last 100 years, and I'm not alone in this. He was actually on the cover 
of Life magazine. He died in 1950, but he's out of India, and his name is Ramana Maharshi. Okay. He ended up leaving home at 17, went to this mountain, lived in a cave, didn't speak for 20 years. When he started speaking, people realized this is a very unique person. And um, he stayed at that mountain for 50 years, and people came from all over the world and were very moved by him. And I think he was probably in the last 100 years, kind of the the highest level that humans can get in the last 100 years of anyone that lived. So these would be the three that I want to have generally. Thank you. Thank you for breaking that down. So it's been a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Just wanted to give the audience, if the audience wanted to connect with you or learn more about yourself, where can they find you online? The easiest way is just my happiness podcast, happinesspodcast.org. That's happinesspodcast.org. And then all my contact information and everything's there. All right. Thank you so much. And I think the audience got a lot of value from this conversation. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Rishi.